Hello and welcome to episode 258 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and we're here with another game journal and another game that I've never played before. 29, uh, whoa, 2020 has been a year where I think all of the games I've played for the podcast are first time for me other than Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. Uh, the subject is Fantasy Star 4, the end of the millennium for the Sega Genesis, and the panelists other than me are Alana Higgs. Hey everyone. And making his Retro Encounter debut, Mark Chan. Hello. So, Alana and Mark, uh, this is my first time playing Fantasy Star 4. This is not your first time playing Fantasy Star 4, but we'll get that to that for a second. Um, this is one of the games that's been floating around our ideas board the longest. Probably first appearing there in, I don't know, the, the 2016-17 range. And a popular reader suggestion whenever we... Uh, Whenever, whenever we get the call or make the call for uh, for podcast suggestions, but we're finally getting around to it. It finally won one of our internal votes. Uh, so, Alana, tell me a little bit about your background with this game and maybe Fantasy Star in general. All right. So, I actually haven't played Fantasy Star Four before. This is my first time playing. Oh, my it. bad. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's my first time playing a normal Fantasy Star game, and the only real experience I have with the series is online on the Dreamcast, and even then, it's only really a couple of hours. Um, playing it myself, playing it with my brother, and watching him play it for a lot longer. Um, so I really, really don't have much experience with this series at all, which is surprising because the Genesis or the Mega Drive was my first game console, and I don't have a claim to any of those RPGs. Like, I've never played Shining Force, and I've never played this, and I've never played a bunch of other things. There's a couple, like, Beyond Oasis I've tried and played and liked, but um, yeah, this has really been a big gap in my library for a long time and I've owned various iterations of all of the Fantasy Star games because they tend to be really generous Sega and they kind of group all of those like like Master System, Mega Drive, Genesis collections and they always put Fantasy Star at least any number between one and four together on them. Um, So I've always owned a copy, I've just never made time to play it. So yeah, this is my first time running through the game and I haven't played any of the other ones, sadly. I do own the Sega Ages version of one on the Switch, and obviously mm, right. I have, yeah, I have the other three, or the other two on the Genesis collection on the PlayStation Four, which is how I'm playing this one's. But yeah, this is my first time playing Fantasy Star, sadly. But I've been one of the biggest supporters of getting on the podcast, definitely. Oh yeah, <laughs> we've had public and private chats about. Uh, like, how can we figure out how to sneak in Fantasy Star Four this time? Uh, like, it's 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 been around. And then but, other uh, people get mad because they're like, "Why isn't Fantasy Star on the podcast?" Like, well, you're not voting for it. We're like a Sega originating site, you know. We've got Lunar, and you don't want to see it, so it's all on you. You've got to vote for it if you want it. But we did it in the end. And here we are. It only took, uh, oh geez, five and a half years of the podcast. Never mind. So, uh, so Mark, what's your background with Fantasy Star 4 and Fantasy Star in general? Okay, so Fantasy Star is something that I actually came into through the dreaded world of emulation. Um, because at the time, there was no good way... When I, when I finally learned about Fantasy Star, there was no good way for me to get a hold of the carts. And Fantasy Star 4 in particular had a bug in it where most emulators would just freeze up midway through the game. Um, you would go into a battle, game would crash, uh, and then your save file was borked, so you had to start over again. And for the longest time, that put me off of playing Fancy Star 4 until I did my due diligence, went and got a cart, and then enjoyed it so much, I went back and bought the entire series and said, all right, I'm in. However... Beyond playing it, I had been aware of Fancy Star for, like, since 96, I think, because the the role-playing chat room on GeoCities I used to frequent had a lot of fans who would draw their characters from Fancy Star and, like, use art from the game and stuff like that. Um, so I was always kind of aware of, like, Fancy Star Net uh, and, and, like, the whole saga of, like, uh, dreams within Elsidian and things like that. Um, and then when I finally sat down to play the games, I really kind of understood, you know, uh, with Fancy Star uh, 4 especially, 
why this was such a big deal to these people. Like, this, this was such an emotional journey. It was so well told. It was very different from what I was used to with Final Fantasy. Because, you know, you've got, you've got these wonderful manga panels, like manga-style, anime-style panels, to tell you things. Um, where before, you would, you'd be used to, you know, like, Setzer and, and, and Locke flapping their fingers at you in tiny little chibi sprites. <laughs> So, so it was a real, like, it, it felt strangely more growing up and uh, than, than Final Fantasy. Um, and I would say um, I really enjoyed that its theme was very unique uh, with, um, like, it, its world setting being sort of a science fantasy thing. Yes, we have laser guns and teleporters and robots, but... Strangely, are also fighting with swords, because why not? You know, works out. Um, so yeah, and, and, and like, I got into Fantasy Star Online after that and stuff, you know, but uh, for, for a bit there, I was very much Fantasy Star 4 advocate, and uh, for me, it just is the pinnacle of the series. I mean, also literally, but uh, also, I, I think, the most enjoyable in the entire thing. All right, well... My background with Fantasy Star 4 and Fantasy Star in general and Sega in general is almost entirely blank. Uh, I never owned a Sega Genesis or Saturn or Master System. I knew Fantasy Star by reputation only uh, when I was really into the you know uh, square oeuvre of RPGs in the 90s and 2000s. Uh, Fantasy Star 4 in particular was held up as like, oh yeah, that's the Genesis's great RPG. But I... I've mentioned other podcasts. I've never beaten a single-player Genesis game before in my life, and um, <laughs> and uh, and I'm playing this on the Genesis Mini. But like Alana, I I, I was aware of this game being available in a lot of different platforms. Uh, when I when we were starting it for this podcast, I basically had the option of playing it on Steam or my Wii Virtual Console, or my Genesis Mini, because I already had all of those copies bought. It's also so cheap on Steam as well. Like, even yeah, if you don't was, buy the collection, yeah. it's like under a dollar, or about a dollar. No, I, th- I think it was. I yeah. think the collection is like eight games for $5 or something. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's a, a And and I, I bought the Genesis Mini for $33. It's 42 games. Jesus. It works out to about 75 cents per game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So it's, it's, it, for being a famously expensive cartridge, I think in the in ninety four ninety five it was over a hundred dollars American. Uh, it's it, it's extremely cheap and easy to get now. But I, I like yeah, but Fantasy Star stuff almost felt like a foreign language activity to me because I had friends that were into Fantasy Star online mm-hmm. on the uh, on the GameCube mostly. But although that that uh, that series also had. Oh, it also had PSP and DS versions, and one of them was Fantasy Star Zero, yeah. but I, I don't remember the exact titles. And they would use, they were like, oh, what's your starting class? Oh, I'm a Hugh Weearl. Right. Right. And just like the ridiculous uh, or completely, you know, non-intuitive class names just made me think that Fantasy Star was its own special world of weirdos. Uh, but I was always at least a little interested in it because it was a it was an acclaimed RPG and I was trying to play uh, most of the canon of RPGs, uh, especially in the 2000s when I had to spend uh, some disposable income. Mm. But I didn't get around to playing Fantasy Star Four in part because, uh, in part because I knew I wanted to podcast about it at least at least from <laughs> yeah. 2016 onward. It's, it, it, like like every time I was about to play, it's like you know what I think we've been talking about doing a podcast episode on it. I'll just hold off until it's time for that to happen. And I yeah I accrued a, a a Genesis box in the in the intervening years, but when that happened, so I'm playing it on the oh, nice. so I'm playing it on the Genesis Mini. No no no, I don't mean an actual Genesis. I mean the Genesis Mini. Oh yeah, I'm playing it on a on a Genesis Mini, and having uh having a lot of fun with it so far. I, I'm I'm probably 15 hours in. I'm not exactly sure. Because there's no hour count in this game. Um, yeah. <laughs> among, among other reasons. Um, but let's start at the beginning. Uh, they dump a lot of lore on this game on you from the get-go. There's a, a a sort of a summary of some of the of the sort of at least part of the conflict in play in the sort of uh, pre-opening menu um, game loading cutscene and the opening cutscene of the game proper before you get uh, before you're introduced to Chaz and Alice and there's a lot of references to previous fantasy stars 
in the body of the game itself, uh, like like creating a sense of world building and continuity yeah. that's absent in the, in a lot of other RPG series of its era. Yeah. So, uh, what are our thoughts on Chaz and Alice, uh, two hunters just trying to do their best in a mostly desolate desert world? Um, I think like. Alice, Alice definitely has a very uh, warm place in my heart. She was one of the first characters uh, that stru- stuck out to me as like a best friend and an older sister. You kind of get the feeling she's not the main protagonist, even though like initially she's sold that way. But you you very clearly get that Chaz is being set up as sort of this audience surrogate. So, like, Alice is somebody you're supposed to look up to who already has this big reputation, who is, you know, known as Alice of the Eight Strokes and things like that, even though, even though she hates that, uh, <laughs> that reputation. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just, I love her and Chaz's sort of big sister and little brother interplay. I, it, it, it caught me right from the beginning as, like, something very unique and something very heartwarming. Yeah, I would basically agree with that. Um, I, I, I think initially Chaz is definitely meant to come off as a bit bratty. He's definitely kind of new to the role, and Alice takes him <laughs> under her wing very quickly. Um, but she's not like she's very big sister is the right way to put it. I think because she's very much stern with him, and she wants she's like you need to hold your sword properly, and you need to do this, and you need to do things like that, and don't rush in. Mm-hmm. She's really great at like kind of molding him into a really interesting and kind of cool character actually i think i think Chaz grows into his role really well and i think it's nice to see because you often get rpgs well there's an example i was thinking of so compare it to final fantasy again you have those characters who are like set up to look sort of like the important character you know like how ash is the main character of final fantasy 12 we all know that but she's not the view is she like everything's no. through vaughn and it's a little bit similar here but slightly reversed because you're getting it like alice is you know strong and the essentially should be the hero but is molding Chaz to a degree so it's, it's a cool yeah. reversal of that i think yeah um i think that the mentor student uh big sister little brother relationship is communicated pretty well uh, especially when you go around the starting few towns and finally get back to the guild town uh like everyone is talking about how cool and beautiful and and famous alice is well and she starts at level seven while chaz starts at level one and chaz is a little bit along for the ride at the very beginning of the game he's just sort of following alice's lead but then as the game goes on chaz gets a little bit more agency a little bit more decision uh, like a little bit more input into this decision making and he sort of becomes the de facto leader of the party uh, like mm-hmm. almo- almost against his expectation uh, but uh, but they're a fun starting duo they, uh, they, they they start out the game doing a mission to clear out monsters that have mysteriously infiltrated the basement of a university and uh, one of the one of the grad students there Han uh, wants to accompany you and pays Alice for the privilege to do so. The first in a very amusing chain of <laughs> of, of Alice borderline extorting Han, who's just trying to save up for his wedding. The poor bastard. Five hundred masetta. <laughs> I think it goes up to a full grand by the end. And I and the only person yeah. who I'm I'm sympathetic for in that whole exchange is Han's fiance Saya. <laughs> What's your beef with Han? <laughs> He lets people walk all over him, and he dies way too often. It's like, oh, great, I'm a slow, fragile mage. Mm. I mean, at that point, yeah, because you don't get any revival spells for a little while, or items, which... Yeah, and and, uh, I, uh, yeah. and um, items and skills to restore TP or, or tech points are very few and far between. Uh, one, one character yeah, has you... a means of restoring tech points uh, later in the game. Yeah, that's Raja. Yeah, that's, uh, we're, we're, we're 45 minutes away from Raja. But, uh, <laughs> but, but anyway, um, your core for the beginning of the game is Chaz, who's sort of a normal sword boy, ha- uh, balanced stats, okay damage. Alice, who's agile, has a variety of skills, can attack all enemies with her slasher boomerang weapons. And Han, who is a mage with some offense and some healing. Um, but in the academy, uh, the principal's acting shady. You find uh, you find labs that may be creating the monsters. Uh, not not labs, more like a, a lab with full of capsules that might be creating the monsters that are that are infesting the place. And when you demand secrets out of the professor, he or out of the principal, he admits that 
he was basically forced to put that equipment in there from a mysterious man named Zio uh, and and the professor uh, that professor Holt I think yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah professor right. Holt who um, who found those capsules originally has has gone missing and Han is is Holt's uh, protege and again every time there's a new plot point with Alice and Han in the party like she says okay we'll continue this quest for you but you got to pay up so there's out of some more money from out of Han and they go investigate where the professor is. It's a ruined town with uh, where everyone's been turned to stone, including the professor. So that gets you on the like on the path to look for a way to restore the professor, which takes you to uh, a small town of Motavians. Oh, we're, oh, I should mention this is not the the humanoids native planet. <laughs> Whoops. <Nope. Yep. laughs> um, the world of fantasy star takes place in a star system with at least three major inhabitable planets. Uh, the first one, Parma, was destroyed in Fantasy Star 1 or 2. And in Fantasy Star 3, I believe, is takes place on ships, which is the mass exodus of, uh, of the Parmians out of Parma. So this planet where we are now, Motavia, or maybe it's Mota, and, and they're called Motavians, I'm not sure. It's Motavia, uh, the planet is okay. Motavia. It's, um, it's in all of the Fantasy Star games as well, I believe. Right, yeah. Fantasy Star, at least yeah. Fantasy Star 1 through 4 have a, uh, a, a contiguous story that at least acknowledges the uh, different settings and planets, even though you maybe don't visit all of them in all, three, in all four games. <laughs> but, but Motavia is a desert planet that, where Motavians are sort of, I don't know, like uh, sort of bird bats, bird rats. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea, but they're really cute. Yeah, they're, they're very they're cute. Really, they're, they're really like bear bears with beaks. <laughs> yeah, they they look almost like um, oh I I don't know like 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 gremlins before you feed them after midnight, but with beaks and red eyes. <laughs> they are yeah. like uh, like like rats or bats with some bird like features, but they're but they're very yeah. fuzzy and have big ears. Uh, but they're the natives of this planet. They don't trust Parmians because Parmians are naturally sort of more warlike and manipulative than Motavians. But uh, you you pass through Motavian village, uh, and learn that the uh, that the secret to um, to curing petrification uh, would be held by um, by Motavians. So you trap manage to track down some Motavian medicine. But on the way, you meet two other uh, two new party members, Rune, who is an associate of Alice, who can use who can use magic. He's a way better spellcaster than Han, and Grizz, who's a Motavian. Uh, whose village was wiped out by Zio, the same guy who was uh, who was blackmailing the principal of the academy. Mm-hmm. So pretty early on, we have almost a full party. Rune isn't with you for very long here. He he uh, he uses fire magic to blast away rocks blocking a tunnel, and then is basically gone. Um, but Mil- and, and milk uh, him because he's like level seventeen. So he just, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's level seventeen when uh, yeah. when you're when everyone besides Alice is probably level five. Uh, Grizz and Han are around the same starting level as Chaz. Uh, and and then the, the next sort of major dungeon after that is going into a basement to find the the medicine for petrification and around here is where i realize that the pacing of this game is is pretty wild um stuff happens quickly and uh mm-hmm. and and people will join your party quickly and leave your party quickly when i'm probably uh, the the 16-bit games i'm used to are pro- probably have more more in sprite action and uh, because it's easy to read and click through the the manga style panel cutscenes, it just seems like whenever there's a story beat, a lot happens at once. And at one level, I really really value the game not wasting my time. But sometimes there would be things that happened where I would ju- I would just like I would just say, wait uh, wait a second, what just happened? Okay, all right, now then now the entire object of the game is different okay yeah well, but it's probably a- system limitations as well like they just have to skip through everything really quickly and i i really really like the pacing actually i think it's really like it it's kind of like we were saying in persona 2 last month that it kind of just throws you in at the deep end and here you're not necessarily thrown in the deep end but you're thrown in and like things are happening straight away you're thrown into this world and all of a sudden not all of a sudden but everything is already happening around you and you've now got to adapt as quick as possible and change to every situation and like i think what also helps is like some rpgs around this time they they tend to tell you where to go but not like where to go if that makes sense and mm-hmm. fantasy star has a chat system and they always yes. tell you what direction you need to go in or whatever and that really helps like 
keep you moving as well like Mm -hmm. so it doesn't you're not like slowing down the pace either so i think there's kind of it all works together really well i think yeah i enjoy the fast pace most of the time except when i i uh a couple times things happened slightly too fast like like just (laughs) and and that was always just at big story moments like there's a part uh skipping ahead a little bit there's a part where um right when you fight zeo and defeat him you uh you basically conquer a big dungeon then you lose one character right, then yeah. you lo- then you lose then you lose a second character then you go to a, <laughs> a space satellite gain a new character crash land on a new planet and gain another new character <laughs> and that entire process takes less than 15 minutes yeah so it says- and they also like they also reveal like just an alternate plot to a plot to a plot right. yeah, with those three character introductions yeah for a couple boss fights in the game like right when you think oh i've defeated the boss oh no there's someone behind him and that happens at least three times uh I, yeah. but uh, and, and and none of this is a problem it's just it, it just this game is paced very briskly and sometimes and sometimes i it was slightly too fast for my dumbass. but uh <laughs> I don't want to belabor that point every single time something happens, but at the, the at the that uh, defeat after defeating Zio was one time, um, right when sort of Rune leaves and uh, and uh, Grizz joins was one time. Uh, the funeral scene was one time where these were very important moments that almost happened too quickly uh, for what my preferences are. But uh, but I, I appreciate the qu- the brisk pace of this game because even a big long dungeon like the one where you fight Zio in aren't that big or long like i never feel like my time is being wasted here no they're mm-hmm. a marked improvement on i like i haven't played the previous games in the series but i think their reputation precedes them a little bit with their dungeon designs and the length of some of them especially yeah. i know fantasy star one obviously doesn't have maps so you have to like it's one of those where you yeah. have to draw them out well, uh, well it does on on the ages version yeah exactly it does on the ages yeah, version. on the ages <laughs> yeah. version definitely in the Ages version, I think they self-draw a map for you, like a yeah. like a mod, like a recent Etrian Odyssey game or something. But, I, yeah. but I've heard cool. horror stories of people drawing maps for Fantasy Star One, and, and I think I think three has a reputation for rough maps. Two and three do at different okay. points. Yeah. yeah, it's all of them really. These feel they're not you know they're incredible but it's 1993 and i think that they are yeah yeah, they're not too long and even there are some really long ones towards the back end of the game but even those like there's like a pit stop in the middle of them or you can easily warp out of any of them and it never takes you too long to like remake that progress Mm -hmm. ever yeah and um when rune joins you pretty early he has the warp and teleports the escape and teleport spells on him yeah which are called called hinas and ryuka for reasons which completely unhelpful spell <laughs> yes yeah that is one thing i, I was going to talk about it later but um it, this, this game does not always perfectly communicate its systems um for when you when you get new items there is a command look at an item to see what it to see what it is or what it does but nothing like that for spells and spells have yeah. completely unintuitive spell names like i think I think the easiest one for me to understand was that Thu is the, are the are the thunder spells, and after that it's all downhill. Yeah, you've got Foy, Thu, and Wat, which I can easily work yeah. out. Res isn't impossible. Like I knew it was a healing spell, but I'm like, is this revival? No, 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 it's restoration. Okay, yeah. but the, there's Gra, yeah. which is which gravity. is gravity. Yeah, Wat is water or ice, and Foy is fire. And then you've um, got Sui, uh, which is light. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah re, re rever is or rever maybe maybe reverberation or or uh revel supposed to be revelation is the is the uh life restore spell uh, right. like like yeah. uh, like from someone passed out and um, i always read that as reversal oh maybe yeah. that, that could be um it's my favorite of all is saner the speed boosting <laughs> spell <laughs> yep um, I think I think Watt always threw me at initially because in my head it read as voltage, like literally watts oh, of energy. Yeah. But there's but there's one that, that there's one that's vol, which is a death spell. Oh yep. god. Yep. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Unintuitive spell names and skill names uh, are a hallmark of the series. Going back to my me trying to understand my friends discuss their fantasy star online classes very unsuccessfully trying to understand their fantasy star online <laughs> classes it, it, it it's actually really interesting because it's almost like two different people named the items separate from the spells <laughs> because you can track monomate diamate trimate really easily like that's yeah okay i get it one two and three 
And then you go over to the spell system and it's like, okay, what the hell does this mean? Yeah. Why is it why is it not like Dizon or something? Yeah, yeah and, and the equipment totally makes sense. It's like they had a limited number of uh of characters to work with, so you get weird truncated names like a lot like in a lot of night of sixteen and, and eight bit RPGs, but it's like, okay, laser sword, I get it. Uh gear goes on the head, armor or robe goes on the body, circlets go on crowns go on the head. N- none of this is confusing to me. And then just the spell names are what on earth were they thinking? They <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, the skills, because it's, what is it, skills and text, isn't it? And yeah, yeah, again, yeah. And, my and, brain is like, te- skills are spells and texts are, I'm going to get Techniques? It. Techniques, yeah, but like, skill in my head is never, never a magic spell, ever. It's always a tech or a, I don't know, magic. And they they canonically call it magic right. when they're talking about no 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 but but no no but magic is a skill not a not a technique because <laughs> techniques are well known around the world uh, all of the all of the non android characters can use them and they use the common resource TP but then Rune mm-hmm. uses some skills and Han who's a scholar recognizes that they aren't regular techniques. And it's like, yo, are those magic? And Rune is like, yeah, it's magic. Don't worry about it. But all of Rune's, <laughs> mag- but, 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 but Rune's magic spells are under the skill menu. And skills across all characters don't use TP. You just get a limited number of skill uses. That like yeah. they, they use a, a separate resource, basically, or, or a, uh, an in, an, a unique resource. So yeah, there's text. They use TP. There's skills. That's anything that isn't a tech. Magic counts as a skill. It is not easy to explain. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're using some vague, confusing language. There's some parts of Fantasy Star Four that are a little obtuse, but mostly it's um, like like it's pretty clear. Uh, Alana mentioned the party chat system. That's both for uh, plot flavor, uh, but and also to give you some direction. Oh, you need to go here and then go northeast. Mm-hmm. Like um, it's a mostly linear game. Um, there is some explore, uh, reward for exploration and revisitation, and yeah. uh, it's, it never feels unfair with overly vague plot directions. I already mentioned that you, Rune has those escape and warp spells from the very beginning, and by the time he's out of your party, uh, Chaz starts to learn those also. So it's, uh, yeah. it, it, there, there's a number of, of, of very welcome conveniences in Fantasy Star 4 that are not always true of 1993-94 um, RPGs. Yeah. Yeah, I remember at one point I was just so happy that because Chaz was out of MP and couldn't use the skill or the, use the technique, I was just like, "Oh yeah, telepipes exist." Oh yeah, and they're really cheap as well. Yeah, items yeah. items are pretty good and very cheap in this game. I I yeah. am full of uh, of dimotes and trimotes uh, like until my inventory ran out, which is when, incidentally when I discovered you could run out of inventory in this game. It's a pretty big inventory, <laughs> actually. It took me a while, yeah. So anyway, I, I mentioned at the beginning that Chaz is kind of just along for the ride, and Alice is definitely a hunter that is uh, at least partially motivated by money. They, they aren't bad people who, uh, they both basically want to do good. But at the very beginning, you're just sort of following the evidence for, um, uh, with Han and uh, his professor, and then this medicine, while uh, and while Grizz is very keen on um, taking revenge on this Zeo jerk, uh, Rune even specifically tells Chaz at one point, "Hey, don't go looking for revenge and trying to defeat Zeo." And Chaz is like, "Okay, buddy," <laughs> like he like he's sort of confused that he would even say that. But as the, it sort of continues. Um, you feel Chaz and Alice, especially Chaz, being motivated more by a desire to do good and what's right, and less by and less just being along for the ride, like how I felt Chaz was at the beginning of the game. I'm not even sure they ever got paid for that Academy gig. They, they probably did, and I just <laughs> and I, I just missed the right dialogue with Alice. But uh, it, it, like it seemed like Han was bankrolling them instead of the principal, at least for a few a few hours at the beginning. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, a little bit. But when you return to that town where everyone was petrified and uh, and cure everyone. Uh, you talk to the professor who is extremely unperturbed for having been turned to stone for maybe several days. Uh, he just wants to continue exploring those ruins that he found. And that ends up being a, a high tech bioengineering plant. Um, and you get to the end of that and you meet a, uh, a friendly AI named Seed and a friendly cat girl named Rika. <laughs> she's like, she's like an elf, isn't she? They're called Newmans, right? And yeah, I yeah, they're called yeah. Newmans. Like, yeah. Dolls equivalent of elves. Cause they are like the... They're, they're genetically engineered. That's right. They're genetically engineered humans, and they are more intelligent than us. And uh, yeah, they're just faster. Yeah. 
faster, more more vicious with their Wolverine claws. <laughs> mm. Oh no, she doesn't. She doesn't have a she doesn't have a stink gland like a Wolverine does. Does she? Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, God. Rika, you, I think you could safely call her a cat girl because you know she has some feline yeah. features, including the ears. And Rika is—I mean, I'm just going to say it. She's the best character, straight up. <laughs> I, I mean, I, actually, I think the cast are mm, really good in general. Like, yeah. they've all got so much personality. Like, like more so. I know that you know Final Fantasy started to download like characters and stuff, but I think this is one of the earliest examples of a really like. This, I, I know you don't like Rune, and I know you don't like Han, but yeah, I, think I, I, I find work. I find Rune a little too condescending and annoying, and Han a little bit too wimpy and easily dying in that party. <laughs> And I think, like, pairing it up with the manga-style panels and the, like, brisk pacing, like, it does feel like a really perfect early 90s anime. Like, everything about oh, yes. it. Like, the mm-hmm. stereotype, yeah. like, not stereotypes, like, the archetypes and everything. It feels, it's so comfortable to get into. I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's one of those characters. That's great. But they all work together really well. And Riku oh, yeah. is adorable. Yeah, yeah from, from the yeah. from the pretty good dialogue to the pretty good cast diversity to the, uh, the the poofy hair, especially among the women, oh, yeah. is uh, is, is fe- feels yeah feels very late eighties early nineties anime in a way that is very very charming and fun for as as someone who mostly grew up with that uh, with, with that kind of uh, aesthetic in in some in my yeah. early anime experiences. But uh, I, I like Rika because she's she's slightly naive but very positive because she's only been alive for one year. Again, again, she, she was basically created fully, uh, fully grown and then, and then, uh, rigorously educated in the, in, you know, basic world knowledge. So she's like inquisitive and positive, but also really strong in battle. She's a, she's very quick. She has a, a pretty good healing magic and, and pretty good physical attacks. So she's a, I don't know, some kind of agile paladin. Or... Yeah, a, a lot of people put her at the front of the party because even though she's not that strong, it means that she always gets her first attack or she always heals first. Yeah. And I love that that ties back into who she is as like a character as a Newman mm-hmm. and I, all that sort of thing. I put her in the second position in my party because in, in general, uh, the characters at the front of your party will be targeted more but are more likely to go yeah. first. And the characters at the back will are less likely to be targeted, but also more likely to go last. The agility stat also influences how early you go. So by putting her in the second position, uh, Rika goes first a lot because of her high agility, but not always. Mm-hmm. And I and I have a my second favorite character is the character I put first. We'll talk about him in a little bit. But is it Ren? Yep. Hell yeah. It, Ren's so cool. I love Ren. Yeah, Ren's yeah. great. Yeah, you get. Uh, we'll skip ahead a little bit. Um, on the journey to track down Zio. Uh, you you go through the wreckage of a of a ship that I am ninety nine percent sure is from Fantasy Star three, uh, yes, and uh, and and you uh, you you visit a town where everyone seems to worship Zio, where where he preaches a gospel of destroying the entire planet and then rebuilding it, which is <laughs> which is you know a very a very suspicious very agenda to be excited about. He he is he is Mr. Tall, Dark, and Handsome as far as villains. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he checks a lot of boxes on you know anime villain rpg boss but he's almost <laughs> almost without backstory or motivation other than worshiping a dark god right yeah he even gets like yeah. the cool like you see the back first and then he turns his head you get that entire <laughs> shot yeah and he, he, he's, he's definitely like the hot topic uh <laughs> villain in fantasy star yeah and he, he even has the uh dialogue with him invisible then he walks in from stage right does the dramatic cape uh like cape oh but it's so cool thing. though isn't it like, no it, it, it's, oh, it's yeah. a certain it's a certain very uh you know very edgelord very chuny kind of cool that I, i'm sure a lot of people appreciate but I, I mean he was i mean he was just so obviously evil i was ready to i was ready to punch him <laughs> in the face from the from his very introduction but well, around the time you recruit rika you learn that the bio plant has is one of several facilities on Motavia that is basically preserving and sustaining Motavia's ecology. Like it's it's a it, it was a planet in danger of destruction similar to Parma, but an ancient civilization put in all of these labs and plants and facilities to sustain it. Uh, later, you you visit a plate system lab that uh, makes that's that prevents it from breaking apart in earthquakes. There's a, a like there's a clim- a climate control lab on the on the third planet or the, the next planet you visit. So there's a lot of facilities like these, mm-hmm. and they're all controlled by a central system called Nervous. And Zio has taken control of Nervous and is going to try and have the whole planet uh, like break break down in fire. Um, 
so I just want to interject with a childhood memory of this, um, because I was a big Calvin and Hobbes fan. Oh, as am I, yeah. Ten, min- ten years and, of, a, of a perfect comic strip. Yes. <laughs> and the thing that always got me about Fantasy Star having climate control as, like, a central plot agency was just Calvin complaining, it's the future, we still have weather? Mm. What the hell is this? <laughs> They should have incorporated some of Calvin's uh, remarkable cardboard box technology into uh, in, into this. When you try to take down Zio the first time, he puts up some invincibility barrier and knocks you all the hell out. Um, but does a fatal attack, or uh, I should say a near fatal attack, that uh, Alice takes head on. And, yes, uh, a dark wave. Yeah, and um, when you uh, like spear it away back to Han's hometown to have her treated... Uh, it, it's it, it's like consuming her from the inside like a, some kind of dark disease. And uh, and she suggests that you track down Rune, who might use the power of his mysterious magic that he ins- that he insists is no big deal to cure her. And uh, and you're accompanied by a uh, an android you liberated from uh, from Zio's fort named Demi. Oh, I love Demi. Yeah, and so it, it, so if cute. yeah, Demi and Demi and Ren uh, the. The androids in this game are great. You get a cute girl android and a thick boy android, and I love both of them. <laughs> yeah, um, you go to get Demi because she's the only android who can control Nervous, right? Yeah, she's like yeah. The, she's like the caretaker of Nerv- of Nervous, right? Um, yeah, similar to how the AI Seed was the caretaker of that bio plant. So your ultimate goal is to is to get to Nervous to um, to stop all of the systems on Motavia from going haywire. But before you can do that, you're going to try and cure Alice. On the way to doing that, you uh, you you notice that you cross over a town that's being plagued by earthquakes. So you got to go into another facility called the Plate System, to for so Demi can uh, straighten that out and and stop the earthquakes. Uh, and you're you're sort of amusing amusingly cornered into doing that task. Like uh, Chaz is like, but but we got to go save Alice, right? And the and the villagers all surround him simultaneously. Goes, oh, thank you so much for stopping the earthquakes. You're gonna stop. Greece... You're gonna stop the earthquakes. Yeah, Great. it's because Greece is scared of earthquakes. Yeah, <laughs> poor Greece. It's like bear bird. It's like terrified of the earth opening up. And I can't totally oh, yeah. get that. So it's like it's like a puppy being afraid of thunder and lightning. You, you of course you want to comfort poor Grizz. Yeah. After you fix what's going on with the plate system, you go to this big tower, which I'm not sure is properly explained, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> y- and you meet Rune again. Get an item called the uh, is it is it the Psycho Rod or the Psy Rod? Psych- the psycho, psycho Wand. Psycho Wand. That's it. Yeah, the, the Psycho which Wand at the top you of the tower. Need to get to Nervous, correct? Like yes. To get, um, yeah. to get to break the barrier uh, right. to get to Nervous because uh, Zio put his fort directly above Nervous. Which, uh, of yep. course, was his intention. And uh, sadly, when you uh, a- after you get the rod and uh, go and go back to um, the town where Alice is staying, uh, she's too far gone, and she says her goodbyes to Rune and Chaz, and you have a uh, a very brief, very sad funeral. Yeah, that's horrible. I was really surprised. I didn't it, not it, see it was coming sad. at all. Like the minute she takes on the dark wave when you first go to fight Zio, I was really shocked. Like. Yeah. It's one of those spoilers that I'm surprised I haven't heard of. Like, I'm pretty bad with spoilers. I will go on the internet and go wild and read things, but yeah, I, I never knew this. I probably shouldn't have been so surprised. She's the mentor character. They're setting her up to, um, you know, to sort of pass her mantle as a hunter to Chaz. Uh, and, and she also falls behind characters in levels and power level and sort of power level up to yeah. uh, around the around the final dungeon before she leaves, yeah. which is which is Zio's fort. Yeah, you can you, like in retrospect, you can definitely see it coming. The first time, I think it's a shock, and then when you replay the game, it's like, no, that's designed in. Like you, you, you can see the tells. Chaz has a heart to heart with Rune and uh, and Rika separately. Uh, that each take only a few seconds because, again, of the weird pacing of plot points in this game. <laughs> yeah. But it, it definitely reveals uh, Rika as, like, cheerleader and and optimist of the party. Oh, yeah. And and also probably is the moment where Chaz takes on more of a leadership role, at, at least yeah. the most clearly. Yeah, and then Rune tags along because Alice base asks Rune to... Well, Rune kind of decides that he's going to go with them, doesn't he, from here on out? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so after you take down Nervous, you uh, you've defeat... Zio, you have to use the Psycho Rod as an item in battle to break his uh, his personal barrier. It, it was a medium challenging fight. Uh, the, the first time I think I had a single character die in the game, other that uh, other than Han. Hmm. 
the game's difficulty level never really feels unfair to me. Like, uh, if, if you're, if you consistently in- upgrade your equipment and, uh, and don't, and use skills at least occasionally, I, I, I mean, you'll be able to get through the dungeons safely and there, and you can do the, you know, Dragon Quest 1 pattern of fight as long as, and far as you can and go, then warp back to town and heal and try again kind of situation. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it, it's never that unfair, but a few of the boss battles are like, oh, there's, there wasn't like anything like this before. Um, and Enzio yeah. was maybe the first of those. I think I think the one thing that threw me for a loop the first time that I realized it was happening is that if your characters die during a battle and you bring them back, they don't get experience. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they they just miss out on all that. I mean, they get to fight and you get to finish the battle, but they get nothing. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I I definitely noticed Chaz falling behind. Uh there's a there's a, a fight against a, a boss called Dark Force a little bit later and and uh, my Chaz um, was dead at the end of that fight, so he uh, is now at least two levels behind both Ren mm-hmm. and I think three levels behind Rika, yeah, where I am in the game right now. But it's yeah. it, it's a bummer, but because the grind the grind is a little generous in this game, it's not a com- it's not a complete disaster if a character misses out on boss exp. Although it's definitely frustrating in the moment. Yeah. Um. I th- I, I think the thing with the grind that I that I also th- I find at least personally alleviates a lot of the regular board I might have with it, is that not only are battles quick, and and obviously with macros, you mm. can make them even mm. quicker, but it's nice to look at the enemy designs. Oh, yeah, the animations yeah. in this game are amazing. I love, so the, I, I love the rear attack animations, where you, like when it's a character's turn, you see a, a, a rear mm-hmm. profile of them, and then them do their little animation. It, it, it's, uh, it reminds me of uh, one of my <laughs> uh, weird favorite uh, weird favorite RPGs, the Seventh Saga, which is which is a little bit yep. a, yeah, a yeah. little bit uh, oh, younger yeah. than than Fantasy Star Four. But it, but yeah, the, the both the sprite the character sprite actions and the enemy actions are are, are very pleasant in this game. They're they're good. They're yeah. well animated for for its I time. S- I still have like horrible reaction to the toad enemies that lick you. Oh yeah, <laughs> with, yeah. With like the giant tongue, it's just like ah, oh, that's really. A couple of them do visceral. a lot of damage too. They do, yeah. 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 There's some really creative enemy design in this game. Like, I don't mm-hmm. even like your di- giant scorpions and grasshoppers, but yeah, some of the alien designs are really un- unsettling, I think. And it's, yeah. it, it's not always easy to figure out what the best elemental to use in <laughs> battle is, but elemental yeah. weaknesses are very, very present. Uh, a, a lot of biological enemies are weak against um, ice or fire, and a, lot of, uh, and a lot of robot enemies are weak against uh, um, electricity or light. There's also like there's there's also wave and gravity and force as uh, as yeah. elements. I, I don't I don't totally understand all of them, but it's like okay, sometimes fire's good, sometimes lightning's good. I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah, I, uh, I I have to say like I'm talking about the the alien designs or the mutants. Like the fact that your first major enemies are like I, I guess it's pronounced Xanalflake or something. Yeah, like the the weird brainy rodenty oh, yeah. things, mm-hmm. and like. Other other games would start you off on slimes or bats or something squirrels. easy. <laughs> yeah, squirrels, you know. Like that's the MMO starting area. It's like kill these bats and kill these these spiders and then you'll move up to wolves. And here it's just like, no. Horrible <laughs> brainy mutants out of like the thing. Yeah, there you go. It's great. I love the sandworms as well. Like we didn't talk mm-hmm. about this, but um Partway through Matavia, you get um, it's called the Land Rover, isn't it? I think you get various vehicles yep. throughout the game, mm-hmm. and when you ride the Land Rover around, you can actually get into fights in the Land Rover, which is so cool. And I had no idea about getting. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. a little bit like ship battles in a game like Skies of Arcadia, or I uh, mean, or, 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 uh, yeah, or, or yeah. Um, gear battles in Xenogears. But it's a uh, they're they're nice in that you uh, you start with full HP at the beginning of each one. It's a change of pace that's appreciated. The music's cool as well, and the interfaces, like just oh, the yeah. cool like HUD that comes up. Yeah, I really like, like, like you're a like you're in a cockpit or similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm um, going back to the plot. After you uh, after you defeat Nervous, uh, you realize that the you go to the control satellite that sort of where you can sort of change the levels of uh, of Motavia's different systems and you meet Ren, my second favorite character after Rika, the <laughs> big boy android that can either hit hard or heal himself a bunch because a- androids do recover on the field uh, by walking but also the uh, conventional magic spells and magic I- and healing items don't work on them. You have to use either one of uh, an android healing skill or a repair kit item which yeah. is 
you know, different, but not never a problem because Ren and Demi are both very strong and have and have good healing techniques. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I remember the first time uh, I, I used, like, Gires or something, like a heal-all. And I guess that's not Gires, that's... No, uh, Gisar. Sar? Gisar, yeah. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sar. Um, and it's just like, all humans recovered HP. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all humans? Oh, wait. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so yeah, but, uh, it, it was an interesting surprise. Yeah, but skills can heal androids. So, um, so Raja's miracle skill mm-hmm. and and the android healing skills. Uh, Demi has a good a good heal all one, uh, all mm-hmm. work. But uh, anyway, Ren joins you. Says, "Hey, the problem isn't with this satellite. It's actually the satellite next door, Kuran. And uh, but we can get there. We, we can get there with our ship. And then you get on your ship. Your ship gets shot down by Kuran. So that that's a, <laughs> that's a thing. And you land directly yep. on the sacred temple of the Dizorians, which is unfortunate. But yep. but one of the Dizorians, Raja, who's like the the head the head green guy at the temple, says, "You guys are interesting. I'm upset that this temple's destroyed, but I'll forgive you if you let me join your party." Which is so reasonable of him. Raja is it's a, like is oh, a tr- it's raining machines, and I'm like, yeah. oh my god, this guy. <laughs> he, I love he the Dizorians. Is, he so is much. the Dizorians yeah. are weirdly nonchalant and weirdly friendly, but all very eccentric. <laughs> yeah. with, with Raja I, being the most eccentric of all of them. I just I love that Raja is like the comic relief of of the entire game. Like he is always ready with a pun. He's always ready with like an a little bit of an off color joke. But he's also like a wise old man. Like he knows what's actually up. Yeah. Yeah. He. Um. I don't know if he's necessarily knows more than what he's than what he's saying because he's. Always very straightforward. It's like no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Like what we're doing here is okay, but this isn't what actually is causing the, the, right. the snowstorm. The whole time uh, <laughs> that he's with you, you're, you're going from place to place and righting wrongs here and there. Raja keeps saying this isn't going to solve it. We have to go to Garibald tar- Tower, and he yeah. ends up being correct. I'm pretty sure because I'm, I'm not quite. <laughs> yeah, at, he does. Yeah, I'm not quite at Garibald tar- Tower yet, but. Uh, <laughs> Turns out we should have just listened to Raja all along. But it's funny because, like, when you meet him, like, Chaz and Rune are like, they don't like him. They find him really strange. But Rika is so endeared by his sense of humor. Like, yeah, she, Rika yeah. Thinks him, finds, finds him, so him hilarious. And, yeah. and Ren There's... is just extremely matter of fact. that goes, hmm, yes, we should, we should investigate this, <laughs> this planet. Yeah, uh, I, I just love like Chaz and Arun are definitely like, oh, this tiring old man. Why do we have to put up with him? And Rika's just like, I really like him. <laughs> she's like, He's so Listen. funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Rika yeah. again. She's has a lot of positive energy. And she's like, all right, let's go to this place. And uh, and like like Ren and Rune and Chaz are, are sort of like leading the party. We sh- we need to address this next. And the whole time. Raja's in the back yelling like Lewis Black. I'm telling you, we have to go to damn Garrowberg Tower. <laughs> it's a it's 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 a really amusing uh, amusing quintet that you have for this middle part of the game. Uh, your first uh, task together is to find a new ship. Uh, you find one called the Landale uh, pretty soon after Raja joins. It does not take long. It's like a, an extremely yeah. short dungeon with no bosses. And Landale's a character in Fantasy Star One or Two because again, a lot of she's. That's actually Alice's last name in the oh, first yes. one. Cool, Alice it. Landale. Yeah. So it's uh, the so again the, this is a series that uh, that acknowledges its pre its prior games um, uh, occasionally, but enough to be enough to be rewarding for fans, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Then you go yeah. to the satellite Kuran, which is you know a dungeon a little bit like Nervous or the or the Bio Plant. A lot a lot of, a lot of the sort of tech dungeons in this game look a little yeah. the same, but. Uh, a lot of them are based off of the look of Fantasy Star 2 because that was like most of the dungeons and that's right. kind of what they're throwing back to. And that's yeah. also the, and also like um, Fantasy Star 4 takes place a thousand or more years uh, after Fantasy Star 2 and a lot of these satellites and facilities are relics of the Fantasy Star 2 civilization. So it, it, yeah. it, it makes sense, but they, they, to a degree, I noticed, okay, the colors aren't always the same, but these all kind of look the same. <laughs> they're, not but, hard, again, they're not hard to get around, though, all no, right. no, 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 yeah. it's, it's never unfair. There's, there's no map system, but uh, none of the dungeons feel too labyrinthine, at least halfway through the game. Yeah, and, and most of the time, those ones always have the, uh, the hospital lines for you to follow it's yeah. like go yes. this way yes. to like, find the elevator a, a, a lot of them will g- have a general solid or dashed line in the in the floor 
like you said, like a hospital line or like or like an airport gate guide mm-hmm. uh, saying this is the general direction to continue in the dungeon, which to me as a longtime RPG player means, oh, I'm not going to follow that line because there's probably <laughs> treasure somewhere else, yeah. Yeah. which is which is, you know, sometimes true. Uh, yeah. Put put the lacco put the lacco armor away from the tourists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, the boss at the end of Quran is Dark Force which is, to my understanding, an, an important boss enemy in previous Fantasy Star games, mm-hmm. and also the god that Zeo, from way back in Motavia, was claiming to worship. And so you defeat Dark Force, that was the, that was the boss I struggled with the most, the most in my, uh, you know, incomplete playthrough, and where I had, I think, two characters die and fall, fall behind in experience. And after you beat Dark Force, you sort of assume maybe you're, maybe you've righted all the wrongs and it's done, but the bad snowstorm plaguing uh, uh, plaguing Dezorus is still ongoing. Raja says we got to get to Garberg Tower, uh, but yeah, the rest of the crew st- starts investigating other places. Um, you get a vehicle like the Lando Rover called the Ice Digger that lets you break down some of the ice walls, preventing you from getting to certain other places in the game. Uh, you go to a climate control lab. Uh, before I got to that lab, I found a, I found a cave full of some weird moon cats. Yeah, it's a fantasy yes. one reference, isn't it? Again. Yeah, right. But I remember Musket and Meow not because I've played any previous Fantasy Star game, but Lana, we had an episode years ago called "The Practical Cats of RPGs," and our uh, mutual friend Rob Fenner talked taught us all about Meow and the Musk Cats in that he in that did. episode. He did. <laughs> um, but you do the climate control lab. They uh, they're like, "Ha, huh, this is this isn't going to solve your problem." You go a couple towns over. And Raja falls ill. He uh, there's a, a town with a lot of sick people in it, and Raja uh, gets the same illness. And Rune recognizes it at this, as the same thing, or at least a very similar thing, to what killed Alice. Yep. And uh, so you you realize, okay, the Dark Force, Dark Wave stuff that uh, that Zeo and Dark Force wielded is still around. Uh, we gotta we gotta solve this. And um, uh, shortly after you uh you you rescue a young woman named uh what's uh, what was Kira. her name? Yeah, Kira. Kira she yeah. she joined my party like right before I stopped playing uh earlier today in fact. But um Kira uh is has, you know, she's an esper, she has psychic powers. Uh she uses weapons and has some skills similar to Alice. So she's a little bit of a uh, you know, Alice adjacent character who mm-hmm. I don't like as much from my extremely limited interactions with uh- her. But uh <laughs> Her, at least the leader of the community that Kira is from, is uh, a character who's thousands of years old, allegedly, uh, from Fantasy Star One, uh, who's being held in a uh, in a place called the Esper Manor. And uh, where I am in the game is next is going to the Esper Manor to try and see if this guy knows a way to cure the Dark Wave illness. Yeah, it's a pretty. I won't spoil it for you, but it's a pretty big link back to Fantasy Star One. So yeah, not surprised. Um, and and I'm not. I'm I'm not bothered by this because again, I knew exactly what I was getting into, starting with Game Four in the series, and (laughs) and and understanding that a lot of the references I was seeing were references to previous games. This doesn't bother me. If anything, I'm I'm slightly impressed by it because, you know, I'm I'm used to playing a lot of games that don't necessarily acknowledge uh previous games in the series especially games in the 8-bit and 16-bit era and for this game to do that it's like oh i bet like fantasy star fans go wild every time there's one of these it doesn't do it in a way that punishes you for missing out any of the other games like i don't feel like i feel like i'm picking up enough i can go like oh that sounds like an important name and i can find out that it's from you know fantasy star one or whatever like it's not it's not reliant on your knowledge of the previous games. It's just like, this has happened. Yeah. These are all things you can pick from it. And, you know, I could go back and play Fantasy Star 2 if I wanted and probably find a load of things that reference back and forth. And it would enrich my experience, definitely. But, like, nowadays when you get, like, sequential games, it's like you have to play them one, two, three, four, five, and mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. understand everything. But this, you don't. And it's not, it's just a nice reward, I suppose, which I think is pretty yeah. cool. I, th- I think narratively they really managed to make use of that thousand-year gap so that, yes, things have to be re-explained to the characters, so you get it, um, but mm. in that sort of vague way where it's not, you know, you're, you're not watching an, a recap of events. You're, you're kind of picking up, like, a little bit of a history tidbit, and it's like, 
oh, this tower belonged to so-and-so, uh, you know, a thousand years ago, or this magic item's been sitting around forever, or this person is related to that person, you know, like, so you get it, but it's not, like, as you said, it's not, it's not too integral where you have to crack open, like, a reference manual for the thing. <laughs> or play all three other games, yeah. Yeah. Um, but me having a vague idea of all of it uh, is, you know, it, it's it's fun. I am having fun with this game so far as a complete fantasy star novice. I enjoy the character interactions, especially when they uh, don't involve uh, Rune, that jerk. Um, <laughs> See, I love Rune. I think Rune is just just the dreamy, you know, handsome <laughs> handsome boyfriend that, you know, you look up to a little bit and... Yeah, well, I, I, I guess I'm not a person who judges books by their cover, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> wow, he's calling me shallow now. <laughs> yep. So I, I have a funny story around Rune. Um, actually, uh, there is an anime slash manga called Here is Greenwood that I really love. And it's sort of... It's sort of... Um, very much pointed at uh, at a female audience, I suppose, because it's, you know, like five five or six main handsome young men who live in a dorm together, blah, blah, blah. It's college era sort of shenanigans. But for one of the anime uh, adaptations, they uh, essentially are helping somebody develop a game or something. I can't remember exactly how the setup goes. And they get turned into RPG characters. <laughs> and the one of the main like the tallest most handsome one basically looks like rune the entire time <laughs> he does have a really i don't want to generic's the wrong word but he does have that very much classical manga anime yeah he, he is sage he is the closest design yeah he's the closest thing to a b shonen in the game in fact oh, he's, yeah. he's he's bas he's basically a textbook b shonen but uh um i i, I just I'm just annoyed by him because he's really condescending and is deliberately hiding things from the team when he shouldn't be. I think and, he's just uh, trying to, like... I mean, I I'm not trying to justify it, but I guess he's just trying to find the right moment, but again, that's like a cliche, isn't it, with all the RPGs? <laughs> I, guess. I don't I know, mean, I like him. No, I, I, like, I like his rivalry with Chaz. Like, he's, Chaz is immediately like, ugh, who's this guy? And Alice is like, um, yeah. just put up with him, it's fine, kind of thing. Like, there's <laughs> something there. But I really like... The, I, the the cast interplay has been really fun the whole time. My, my favorite being uh, probably the re uh, the recent parts of the game where the where the your characters are Chaz, Rune, Rika, Ren, and Raja. That's a that, that's a that's a again that's really fun characters, really fun interactions. I almost mm -hmm. wish the game was slower paced and had more dialogue so I could get more of these interactions. That'd be cool. Yeah, it's it's one of those uh, situations where because they have the party chat system. I kind of wish they would, like, obviously too early to do this, I guess. Um, but I wish they had borrowed more from, like, Dragon Quest's party chat system. Especially, like, the only thing I liked in 7. Um, I know, I know, I'm a heretic. No, you're, well, no, there's a lot of heretics in Dragon Quest 7. The church is a big part of that game. <laughs> um, the, the thing with Dragon Quest 7 that I really liked was that, yeah, your party members had a lot to say. And I, I just, you know, like, if, if they ever decide to actually, like, make Fantasy Star 4 again and, like, kind of do, like, a remake of it, as opposed to just, like, a graphical upgrade like they did with the Sega Ages stuff, I would love more party conversations. I would love to hear these characters, you know, sit down, you know, Dragon Quest or Breath of Fire style and just, like, actually sit around the campfire and shoot the breeze. You yeah. know, like, that would be great. You mentioned Breath of Fire. That was actually a, uh, an issue I had with Breath of Fire 4. The, it, um, Breath of Fire 4 has six main characters. We played it for the podcast, you and I, Alana, uh, two years ago or so. Three um, years ago, nearly, yeah. Three years ago? Yeah, oh, geez. Again, I've lost, time has lost all meaning for me. Um, but those are character <laughs> designs I really like, but a few of the characters are sort of set by the wayside and don't have a lot of dialogue in like the second half of the game. And uh, for both Breath of Fire 4 and Fantasy Star 4, really like the characters and character designs for the most part. I just wish there was more dialogue and more interaction to get more out of them, which is, mm. you know, a great problem to have. It's like, oh, I like this and this and this and this. I kind of mm. wanted more of this one thing I liked. <laughs> Again, yeah. great problem to have. Yeah. But um, I, I, I am gr glad at least that they always give a story reason that somebody's not in your party anymore, as opposed to just having them hang out in your luggage. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah. it's, it's, it's not like they're in an invisible airship that's always sort of following you, but you can, yeah. only, get, you can only have four or five people at once. It, it does the Final Fantasy IV thing where uh, your party 
your party members come and go um, as consequences of the plot and not for any arbitrary reason. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, uh, for a mostly arbitrary reason, I think we're near the end of the podcast. I have some. I have to play a little bit more game before we can continue discussing the story. Uh, again, I have known Kira for all of two minutes before I uh, <laughs> before I, I shut down and and uh, and started preparing for this episode. But um, next week we are going to um, continue with the Fantasy Star Four discussion. Uh, overall themes and end game are guaranteed discussion topics, but I don't know what those are because I have not arrived there yet. Um, but also later this month in on Retro Encounter, uh, we're doing an episode on Finding Paradise to sort of continue from the Bird Story episode we did a year and a half or two years ago, or I don't know when because I don't I don't understand time anymore. <laughs> and uh, we've known this for a few weeks now, but the game that we're uh, playing as part of a game journal next month is Final Fantasy X-2, the Charlie's Angels of Final Fantasy. Uh, not the first or even the fifth time I've made a Charlie's Angels reference on on, uh, on, on Retro Encounter, I'm afraid. Definitely not. I my sister really really loved the early two thousands Charlie's Angels movies with uh, Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, oh, and Lucy Liu. So I've se oh, I've wow. seen I've seen both of them several times. They yeah. they aren't they aren't great, but <laughs> but I I know them a little too well. Um, underrated Sam Rockwell performance in that first one. <laughs> yeah, um, true. Mm -hmm. And uh, and also there's a Tim Curry sighting in that first one, and, and I always appreciate Tim Curry. <laughs> yeah, there is. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, this is not a Charlie's Angels podcast or a Final Fantasy X-2 podcast. This is the Retro Encounter podcast. Um, thank you so much for listening uh, for an hour plus on Fantasy Star 4. If you want to reach out to the podcast directly, you can email retro at rpgfan.com. You can also comment on RPG Fan's message boards, Facebook page, Instagram page, Twitter account, Discord server, Twitch channel, something streaming on Twitch every day. Uh, all of those things are either called RPG Fan or RPG Fan Com. Uh, RPG Fan also has three other fine podcasts. Random Encounter focusing on randomness, Rhythm Encounter focusing on RPG music and, and uh, recently returning from a long hiatus, and Phoenix Edge, which is weekly uh, um, recorded on YouTube and is mostly f focused on current events. You can review Retro Encounter or those other three fine podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, or however you are listening to us. Please provide feedback if you are willing and able to do so. Uh, but thank, but more importantly of all, uh, thank you, Alana and Mark, for joining me on this weekend afternoon to talk about a game that's from 26 years ago. I know, right? That's great. Yeah. I'm having so much fun with it. Oh, yeah. I'm, I am enjoying it a lot, and... Uh, maybe my favorite thing of all is enjoying the Sega Sound Genesis Sound Chip for the first time. Oh. <laughs> what do you mean yep. the first time? You've played Golden Axe. You've already experienced it. It's all on YouTube. It's yeah, uh, I, I, have, I have listened to the Streets of Rage 2 soundtrack quite a bit because oh, I love so Yuzo Koshiro, like one of my aunts or uncles. Everybody and, does. Uh, and and Yuzo Koshiro did the uh, <laughs> the menu music to the um to, to the Genesis Mini as a he did a, yeah. as a he nod. Did. He did. And it yep. is and it is a certified jam. I love it. Of course it, it is. <laughs> um and in fact like when I was procrastinating starting this game a little bit, I knew I wanted to play it on the Genesis Mini, and I just listened to that. I I, oh. I spent an entire evening, at least an hour. Listening, just playing around in the in the opening menu to that game and watching the autoplay menus of random Genesis games mm. before I before starting Fantasy Star Four. So I I could be way further along than I am, but <laughs> I was just I distracted think, by other Genesis things. I was gonna say I think user Kashiro is a pretty good excuse if yeah. there's any. Oh yeah. Let's see. We've uh, told our listeners how they can interact with RPG Fan. How about how can they interact with us individually? So let's share that with them, starting with you, Alana. Uh, so best place is probably Twitter. I am at Alana Hagues on there. Um, you can come to the Discord as well. I am at Alana on there. I tend to lurk around in the podcast channel. Um, but if you want to email me directly, you can do so. My address is alanah at rpgfan.com. All right, and Mark, how can listeners reach you? Um, Twitter is my ideal. I am at March of the North. Uh, and you can also catch me on my Friday feature, uh, Flashback Fridays, and leave me uh, comments on the forums. All right, listeners, and if you want to reach me directly, the best way to do so is Twitter. I am at the Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs at other times, and on RPG Fans Discord, I am at Monsoon Mike. Or eh, just Monsoon Mike. Is there an at for Discord? I think there is. You yeah. can at people, yeah. Discord is like at the very top of my glass that of social media venues that I can handle. I assure you nobody's eloquent on Discord. Mm. <laughs> Discord is a struggle for me. But um
speaking of struggles, I don't think playing the rest of Fantasy Star 4 will be much of a struggle because I, I think I'm right around the halfway point and I'm having a lot of fun with it. So mm-hmm. listen next week. Thank you. Good night and good luck. <laughs>